0: Good morning. I'm really glad to be here this morning to be part of this Lenten journey of seeking God's ways. And I'm grateful to Joe for letting me choose both the theme and the date that worked best for me. Uh, So now you know uh, I'm the reason we didn't follow the order of the written material. That was you accommodating me's, and I I thank you for that. Now, the reason I chose this theme, from fear to compassion, is because when I read through those themes, from security to generosity, from scarcity to abundance, from earning to receiving, this one, from fear to compassion, struck pretty deep in my heart. And I thought... I am being given an opportunity to understand my own heart and I trust this morning that the wrestling I've done with God in my heart will resonate with your hearts. I don't know about you but I have quite a few fears. I wish I could remember who once told me that having children is like ripping your heart out and watching it bounce across the street. I fear for my children, for my grandchild. I fear for my parents. I fear for my health, my financial security, my ability to love well enough. I fear I don't have the wherewithal to meet the challenges in front of me. I fear for the health of the planet and our ability to change our ecological practices fast enough, and then there are wars, Global financial instability. That's probably enough to make the point. And I will try to bring our heart rates back down. The thing is, fear is real. And it isn't just my Enneagram six wing flapping, though that doesn't help. To live in this broken and fragile world with rubble trailing our personal and political relationships and ashes everywhere. To be human, to live here is to live at least some of the time with fear. And the writers of the biblical texts knew this so deep in their bones, and many of them talked about fear, about being afraid. And then they remind us tenderly so many times so many times in liturgy and letters and the mouths of angels fear not do not fear do not be afraid do not be afraid our neighborhood church offers this challenge fear is the cheapest room in the house seek better living conditions i love this challenge before us today to ponder moving from fear to compassion but i know for me it's not a linear journey from fear to compassion once and for all for me it's a daily journey of decreasing the space for fear in my life it's about wrestling room in my imagination in my heart away from fear and making room for more compassion. And so I keep my eyes and ears open for teachings. Last weekend, I was privileged to sit virtually among MCC colleagues and board members from across North America for the annual Canada and US board sessions when we together attend to the governance of MCC's international program. We began our sessions on Friday with Maxim Olofowarski, who's an MB pastor in Zaporizhia, Ukraine, and the director of MCC's partner, the New Hope Center. Max and Linda and their small children have decided for now to stay in Zaporizhia to live out the church's calling to care for vulnerable people for internally displaced people, for elderly people. And as he sat there with the Russian front about 30 kilometers away, Max greeted us with the greeting of the early church. Peace to you. He read Psalm 5 and 10 and then Psalm 27, which is our psalm for today. Max, from the immediacy of his context, read, Listen to our words, Lord. Consider our lament. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. Their throat is an open grave. You, God, see the trouble of the afflicted. You consider our grief and take it in hand. Max invited us to imagine and pray for peace. We dream, he said of the relief and peace building work we can do. The work of restoration. Restoration of buildings and souls. The Lord is our light and our salvation. Whom shall we fear? Though an army besiege us, our hearts will not fear. Maxime then excused himself saying, I need to leave now, curfew begins in 45 minutes and our family needs to go to a safer building. The early church folks knew, and I think also the church in Ukraine today knows, that faith is not a pleasant guarantee. Vulnerability, pain, even death are very real anguishing possibilities. They are reminding themselves and also us that peace comes from God, not from a life unscathed. The Apostle Paul echoes this reality. Remember, this is the guy that lived through illness and stonings and shipwrecks and imprisonment. He was familiar with suffering and said things like, We are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, always carrying in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our bodies. The words from Paul's letter to the church at Philippi in our text today give us this intriguing idea of our citizenship being in heaven or from heaven. For many years, I have struggled to understand the Apostle Paul. But in more recent times, I've found the teaching of the Franciscan priest, Father Richard Rohr, to be very helpful in reading Paul's words. Father Richard suggests that Paul was the first Christian mystic, Jewish Christian mystic with an incredibly integrated understanding of God being active in the whole world. And through Christ, inviting us to participate with God, not because we're good and perfect people, but because we're beloved by God. And so Paul, even though he's in prison, says things in this letter to the Philippians, like to live as Christ, And the peace of God, which is beyond all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's a reminder. Those living in Christ's spirit experience a way of life filled with love and joy and peace, self-control, gentleness, patience, and kindness that enables them and us to bear each other's burdens. For Paul, the risen Christ, illuminates everything the broken pieces and the surprisingly beautiful gifts if our citizenship is with god then we can be at home in the whole world we can love the whole world like the hymn we sang earlier in fact we're called to love the whole world That's a little overwhelming, so we need to take it in chunks. But we're called to love justly. We will not protect some of the world, for instance, our corner of the world, at the expense of the rest. If our citizenship is in heaven, we can love it all and we are ultimately safe with God. We truly do not need to be afraid. Consider this story from Burkina Faso. It's written by Paul Shetler Fast, a colleague who's MCC's Global Health Coordinator. It's six or seven minutes long, so just settle in and come with me to Burkina Faso. The earth is cracked and dusty beneath the dry season's scorching sun. Few leaves remain on the lonely trees that dot the arid landscape. Even in normal times, farmers in this region of Burkina Faso must build shaded spaces for their livestock to survive the heat. They need to carefully plan and store food to make it through the long months of this lean time. Today, the pressures of conflict and migration are making the situation more dire. These have been hard years for our communities, says Naba Tisei, a traditional chief in Busuma. Tisei looks over the parched farms and mud brick homesteads scattered across the sun-baked plateau below his home. The violence from the north has made many people flee, and we have welcomed them into our homes and communities. In many villages, he says, displaced people now outnumber locals. We had challenges before, but now all things—food, water, schools, health care, and land— are being divided among more people. It's getting harder for families to get by, and even harder to keep peace. A civil war in neighboring Mali and armed group activity has spilled into the north, and east of Burkina Faso, and displaced more than a million people within Burkina Faso. And here, MCC's been supporting a local interfaith partner called Accord to improve maternal and child health. The lean seasons have gotten longer and harder for us. Uh, Let me just get a picture here. There we go. The lean seasons have gotten longer and harder for us says Fatu, Fatumata a mother in the program as her son Yuba sleeps contentedly on her lap you see them here on the right. Before the displacement we had enough to get through the lean seasons but here only here everything has been so expensive and it is hard to survive. Many children were left with only corn flour and dry leaves during the lean months. Many children were getting sick and some were dying. Accord was founded in 2010 by three university classmates from Kaya nearby who wanted to find solutions to community problems that could bring people of different religions and ethnicities together. Their first MCC-supported projects were in peace education. However, as the conflict accelerated and the health and nutrition in the area deteriorated, they felt that these urgent needs couldn't go unaddressed. So this Community Maternal health and child, uh, community maternal and child Health Program began in 2018, adapting a care group model uh, of women's support groups that MCC had been using in Kenya, Tanzania, and Somalia. The project grew really rapidly. It now covers 37 villages and reaches 17,000 participants in Burkina Faso primarily through twice-monthly meetings of 330 mothers' care groups. Many efforts that try to help people end up tearing people apart by creating resentment between host communities and displaced people, notes Aminati, a community health worker and volunteer leader in this program. This project has been different. It brought people together to save lives. Our children rarely get sick and malnourished anymore as they did in the past, and child deaths are very rare now. Infant mortality in the participating communities has plunged by 83% since the project started, even as the security and economic situation has deteriorated. This decline in child deaths was so significant that participating health clinics won an award from the Ministry of Health for some of the biggest sustained improvements in infant mortality seen in the country in recent years. These gains were not made by building new clinics or expensive new medical services. Instead the project focused on supporting mothers, families and communities in maximizing their resources to improve nutrition and health of mothers and children. The impact has been so clear and powerful that it brought the whole community together, says Gregory, a Catholic priest who participated in the program locals and displaced people catholics and protestants muslims and christians health workers and traditional healers everyone when we could all see that working together was saving children's lives how could we not come together for this these groups of around 10 neighbor women meet twice a month to support and learn from each other and receive training lessons focus on practical ways to keep themselves and their children healthy and how to know when medical care is needed. Mothers chosen by each group facilitate the sessions and receive more advanced training from local community health workers and midwives who volunteer in the program. Mothers learn how to make affordable, enriched porridge with local millet, peanuts, and beans to get their children through the dry season when nutritious fresh foods are scarce. The porridge uses locally available ingredients that can be grown by families to store up for the lean season. And here you see Zenabu, a local community volunteer, cooking some enriched porridge. Fathers were brought into the project to ensure that they prioritized growing and storing ingredients for the porridge and other high-nutrition foods. Care groups urged mothers to rely on solely breastfeeding for infants under six months old. Now 70% more mothers are giving these infants breast milk only instead of following new traditional practices of supplementing with water, which is dangerous in an area where the water is often not clean. The care groups also promoted the use of improved water sources and better sanitation and hygiene practices. Mothers were urged to prioritize cleaning wa- cleaner water for drinking, even if they had to walk further for it while close water could be used for washing, and and this has led to a stunning 84% reduction in diarrhea among children involved with the program. In a region where conflict and hunger are still threats, the groups bring people together. There is no division among us in this work to help our children, says Abdul, who's on the left here, as she fed her daughter, Zanogo the enriched porridge she learned to make in the program. There was no ethnic or religious separation and no difference between displaced and settled people. Every child's life is treated as equal, and every mother has a place in our group. We are blessed to be in this together. The woman on the right is Resmata, with her beautiful daughter, Belkisa. The path to peace starts by including everyone in working together to make a community better, says Chief to say. This project does not solve the insecurity in the North. It cannot. But this work brings people together with respect. We all eat from the same plate, and there are many more of us at the plate now. When the food is gone, we will be hungry together. So if we want peace, we must work together and share our table. This story amazes me, and it challenges me, and it teaches me about being a citizen of heaven. I could easily understand if these women were cautious of each other, and if they saved up resources for their own families. That's what I do most of the time. But they have set aside their fears and compassionately worked for the good of all of their children i know for myself that fear constricts my heart and clouds my imagination these women in burkina faso are teaching me about open-heartedness and open-handed living what practices might we want to remember in order to keep our hearts open and soft, what practices will shape our compassion? First of all, I do think it's okay to name our fears. In naming them, we take away some of their power. We put them into perspective. When we name them to each other, we can share the burden of them. We can also share strategies for carrying them. That's already turning to compassion. Second, I invite us to boldly claim the church as a witness of God's compassion for the world. With our feet firmly planted in heaven, you know, because we're citizens of heaven, we dare to bring heaven to earth. That's the Lord's prayer, on earth as in heaven. We dare to imagine and create glimpses of God's good kingdom here. Like refugee sponsorship, like needles and knots, like food for the bridge. Let's keep paying attention to where the Spirit is bubbling up in our families, our neighborhoods, around the world, and let's keep joining in. Let's make the good news visible Let's be witnesses to the good news of food for the hungry, water for the thirsty, reconciliation and transformation for broken and painful lives. Let's not let anybody be lost. And my third practice for keeping our hearts open and soft is to attend to beauty. As I created this sermon this week, these tulips opened in front of me. This was purposeful. I needed the color, the growth. I needed the beauty. I've been reading John O'Donohue's book, Beauty, the Invisible Embrace, rediscovering the true sources of compassion, serenity, and hope. John O'Donohue is a, was was an Irish poet, theologian, and philosopher who left this world far too early. If you don't know John O'Donohue, I encourage you to listen to a conversation he had with Krista Tippett on the On Being podcast, where you will hear his lovely Irish voice speak about beauty. As I made my way through the pages of this book on beauty, I began wondering If, as citizens of heaven, we're called to identify, create, share beauty in the world as a way of reminding ourselves and others that God is right here among us, calling us to hold each other well, is this one way we can keep our hearts open and soft so that we can be open handed, compassionate people? Where do you see beauty? Where do you experience beauty, and how does it shape your heart? I see beauty in the river that wends its way through our city, and in the changing of the seasons. This beauty unclenches, unclenches my heart on a daily basis. I see beauty in my dad's old hands, in Alice's courage, in Mila's mischievous smile, I see beauty in the interruption of loneliness, in acts of resistance to evil. Beauty is a gift, a reminder of God's grace, even and especially in very dark and painful places. Where are you experiencing beauty? In elegantly crafted Excel spreadsheets? I I hear that's a thing. I I don't understand it personally, but In the face of a neighbour, in a well-oiled machine, in a brilliantly captured film, in the arrival of migratory birds, in a hymn sung in community, I've been waiting all week to sing Beauty for Brokenness with you. We'll do it yet. This is Anna administrative coordinator for MCC Ukraine, who made this pot of borscht while on kitchen duty at the refugee shelter in western Ukraine. She's feeding fleeing people after fleeing herself. Beautiful. The flowers she holds were a handmade gift from her youngest daughter to mark International Women's Day on March 8th. Everything about this photo is beautiful to me. Did you know that Russian tanks are getting stuck in the spring mud in Ukraine? Reverend Anna Bladell calls it a tiny resistance, the earth enacting a blessing of refusal. This is a beautiful thing. Who will you share beauty with this week? Let's crowd out our fears, fill our hearts with compassion. Let's let beauty fuel our imaginations for the demonstration plots of God's love that we can plant and nurture here and everywhere. Let's remind ourselves and others that God is right here among us, holding, helping us to hold each other well. Do not be afraid.